The Montreal Alouettes have won the 110th Grey Cup and they sealed the deal in dramatic style with just 11 seconds to go. Inside the Winnipeg 20, down by three, time running out, and touchdown! Tyson Philpott down! 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 You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL Podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'm your co-host for the show. And joining me, as always, is my co-host and my former rival, in the 110th Great Cup, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how was Canada? How was your trip back? How was your Thanksgiving? 10 of 10. Would Great Cup in Hamilton again? <laughs> 10 out of 10? Really? Not yes. even like a 9.8. So, so the result of the actual game had no effect whatsoever. No, that, that would have made it a 15 out of 10. Okay. Right. That's a bonus. <laughs> okay. All right. Lots of people go to Grey Cups without their team even being in it. Uh, it's been a while. I can't remember the. La- I can't remember very well the last time I did it. And there was if you if you're going to bank on the result, as far as how your trip goes, well, there'll be a lot of trips where you'll be coming home very unhappy. So, don't do that. Okay. Just go enjoy yourself, and then if the game goes the way you want to, wonderful. Okay, okay, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to do this in an orderly fashion, I promise. But since you brought that up, okay, it occurred to me during this game, or at least it seemed like this watching it through the television broadcast, that the majority of fans, the majority of attendees, let's say, at the game were cheering for the Alouettes. Now, was that just a contrarian play, or were there enough Montreal fans to convince you that you know these were proper Alouettes fans. There were more Montreal fans than I'm used to seeing, which is great. <laughs> let's yeah let's just say that right now. Yeah. It's great to see them. I saw a bunch of our friends, Brent Brandon, one of our listeners, Cliffy, Tim, got to meet them again oh, cool. from the flight deck. And a lot, and a lot of different people. I believe Andre from the tailgate was there. If I've got the name right, I hope hopefully I do. Just a lot more Alouettes fans than I'm used to seeing, which sometimes comes, sometimes you can count them on one hand if the game's in the West and the team isn't doing well. Been there, done that. But lots of them there. Uh, great to see. And I hope that it continues because they made their presence felt. Um, I would say, though, Winnipeg fans were more in abundance although i was going to places that had more winnipeg fans because well that's where i like to go shocking right um but yeah i would say that anybody not associated with one of those two teams was more than likely rooting for the alouettes unless they had a really good reason a former player or a friend or some sort of connected connection to a winnipeg blue bomber the neutrals were going for montreal because they're sick of us right Right, that's what I was going to ask. Not that I can blame them. Not that I can blame them, but they're sick of us. <laughs> and eventually it'll come around. They were rooting for us in 2019 because, well, right. we hadn't been. Right. So. You were the contrarian play back then. Yes, we were. Although yeah. Hamilton had a lot of sympathy, too, because too right. long is... Yeah. It, it wasn't 80-20 Winnipeg in any of these games that I've been to, so... Okay. Um, all right. Now, we are recording this six days, no, a week, a week out from mm-hmm. the actual playing of the Grey Cup. I'm still a little bit shocked. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, I, I honestly can't believe that next season – I'll be introduced on this show as a fan of the defending champion. 
Alouettes. Well, you don't have to be. We don't have to mention it anymore. Well, I'm that's okay. True. With that. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, at least until before this season, we are defending champs. We are. Yeah, no, you're defending champs until next November, and good yeah, for right. you, by the way. I joke because wow. well, it hurts, but okay, okay. I'm glad for you guys. <laughs> okay, I want to talk just a little bit of trash first. Okay. Okay. Do I need to? Do I need to take the headset off and just let you go for a while, or do no, you want? No, to no, no. I just said a little bit of trash. Okay. This is where the offense comes from. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how answering your cynicism about this Alouette's team. This is where the offense is going to come from. This is where we're going to score points. I mean, in all serious, no. In all serious, this nest, no. <laughs> um. Any single standout to you in this game? Yes. Okay. I got the game I expected to get with one okay. exception. Okay. Because I, this is this was laid out for Winnipeg to win a tight one. Except that Montreal game plan for Winnipeg's defense very, very, very well. Winnipeg's pass rush was neutralized, not because their Montreal's offensive line played spectacularly, although they had their moments where they had to stand up and they did. Yeah. But they yeah. game planned to keep the pass rush from causing problems. Many screen passes, many short routes, two, three step drops, and out. They did a great job of getting the ball out of Cody's hand. When it didn't come out immediately, Winnipeg's pass rush got home. For the most part, except for when it mattered late. But that's what happens. The pass rush isn't always going to get home. But Montreal's offense was predicated on getting the ball out of Cody's hands quickly, and they had open receivers for it and made it and they made that offense functional. They actually shouldn't have been behind at the end of the game. Because I thought their offense played that well. They had some unlucky breaks happen to them. Winnipeg did too. Montreal made the plays at the end of the game that they had to make. But I thought Montreal all played Winnipeg for the most part from almost start to finish. Once it was 10-0 Winnipeg, it, it, it after that happened, you could just feel the momentum drifting to Montreal, especially when they came out of this came out of halftime, having not scored from the one and went right down the field and scored. And I'm like, oh. We've got ourselves a game now. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. All right. This so Montreal deep. came out and had a game plan very well and executed very well. Mm-hmm. I I don't think Winnipeg played a poor game. They did what they were. They did what they game planned to do. They did what I expected them to do. Montreal game planned better and executed better at the end. Okay. Yep. I'll take that. I'll take that. It was the first time it was the first time this season when okay, Winnipeg was going in with a lead at half. Okay. Now now again, I'm not expecting my guys, my Alouettes to win this game. Okay. However, <laughs> I do have money on them so i have a vested interest in them not losing by more than eight and a half okay so i'm dreading this coming out of halftime but yet like you say this on the one hand and you know that we were able to get the you know first drive of the first of the second half resulting in a score resulting in a touchdown Right. That's what you want. That's what you want. Now, you know, I've said on this program many times before, especially at the beginning of the game or at the beginning of the second half, any competent quarterback should be able to create a drive. But you can do that. Okay, good. We passed this test. Right. But for me, the real test was, and again, this is what this team is about, is the defense. The defense clamped down in the fourth quarter. Brady Oliveira had like what, maybe nine yards? In the whole fourth yep. quarter, there was there was no vintage Winnipeg. It's the fourth quarter. We're right. going to finish this game out right. now. Drive. They did have to come back. They were down four at one point. I believe in the third or early fourth. 
don't mind me if the details are fuzzy because it's not like I've gone back and poured over them. Uh, <laughs> I came back and had a big drive, and then they and then they got back ahead. They stopped Montreal, and they had the ball around the three minute warning with a chance to win the game, and they didn't do it. Same thing last year too. They had the ball with the chance to have that vintage put away drive didn't happen yeah winnipeg in these last couple of great cups especially have gotten really conservative in the postseason after the first year of this run really conservative <laughs> and, and and it's it surprises me every time i mean you know i an explosive play could hurt the Owls. But if you're just going to let Sean Lemon and our boys, uh, Sankey, and the rest of our guys just, like, come at you, well, they will. They will. There was, there was a lot of drops for a loss in this game, which I like very much. But uh, I don't know. The thing that struck me about this game was this. Um, it was nice that so many people i mean okay if you look at the highlight reel of this game no one player had a dominant game shane mack maybe okay and austin that's a, mack sorry, i mean we're not talking uh, the, we're not talking shane the 90s mack. minnesota twins here yeah here we go <laughs> like playing ball here we're playing baseball here damn wow it's late eh it's not that late uh yeah, so Austin Mack, maybe Austin Mack had a dominant game, which is interesting, too, because Cody Fajardo basically played one of the best games of his career, if not certainly the most significant, without question. And he's been in this position before, mm -hmm. where he's had opportunities, like 2019 West Final, <laughs> was didn't, didn't come, didn't finish. Yep. 2021 West Final. Winnipeg turned the ball over like they were allergic to the ball and they couldn't finish. So it's really nice to see Cody being able to finish one of these off. If I take the Winnipeg hat off for just a moment, it's nice to see him have that moment where he finished where he finished what he had started. Are you saying that? Because last year, well, it, it helps that he's not wearing green anymore. I'll be honest, but <laughs> last year he was trying to carry the team. For the for the last part of the season, you watch the banjo bowl from last year, and there's no way that Saskatchewan should have been in that game at all, especially with all with the yeah. illness they had yes. going through their team. Yes, they were short, right. they were undermanned that whole right. game. I remember, but at halftime, it was still a game, and it had no right to be because Cody was pulling anything he could off to make this happen. He couldn't couldn't finish that in the second half because Winnipeg just was too much but when you see a guy doing that even though he's got no chance and like keeping his team in the game for as long as he kept them in the game yes winnipeg fans will uh, and Saskatchewan fans will have fun making fun of him because well winnipeg fans have the moments where they were able to beat him in the end and saskatchewan fans turn on their quarterbacks as quickly as humanly possible it's not a great place to be a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was really nice to see him come out and have that kind of game because you knew he was capable of it. And he, it was well game planned for him. It was game planned for his abilities. Right. right. And it worked out. And he was able to make he was able to make the throws he had to make. And the few times they asked him to do to to sit in the pocket, mm -hmm. let things develop. He made those throws. Well, yeah, he could, though. He could. This was, I mean, I've been ragging on these guys all year. This was the best game their line had all season. Mm -hmm. you know, again, and it was game plan that way right. to not put them under pressure as much as possible. Now, finally, long, long distance <laughs> second downs or take your crack on first down. Mm -hmm. They On that last drive, there was a couple of times where they asked the line, okay, you got to hold them, and they did. Well, I again, though, again, throughout this game, players on both sides, in all fairness, 
came through in the clutch again and again and again. I mean, for okay, for my money, for my plus eight and a half, I knew I had that covered as soon as Stanback scored. And Stanback whipped off the 32-yard run. I'm like, yes. Okay, that's why we have Stanback for that one play because that brought us back to life. If he doesn't do that, the Bombers stay up 10-0. Maybe we have to punt again. And by the way, one of the only players on either side who had a really bad game was Zima, our Australian our Australian punter. And even he had one late in the game where he pinned uh, the Bombers within like the three or something like that. He had a really nice punt there towards the end of the game. So even he had, but he was having a bad game all game. And then we would have been down 10 nothing, maybe 13 nothing going into the halftime. This would have been a much different game. Stanback stand back brought this team back to life single-handedly with that one run. And that's why we've had him. And that's why we've believed in him all this time. And now he might be a free agent next season. <laughs> might be. Um, but again, <laughs> praise to the coach, to Montreal coaching staff. Yep. Jason, Mo- Jason Moss got run out of Edmonton. He was probably going to be running out of Saskatchewan too if he hadn't uh, taken the head coaching job. They believed. I don't think anybody else did. I knew Montreal was going to give give a fight. They weren't going to go away. They're not that kind of team, but what well, they Noel did Thorpe as well. I don't yeah, Noel, Noel Thorpe, Thorpe had a great well. game too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean this again. This is why we've had so much faith in him. This is why myself and many other Montreal Alouettes fans were so pleased when he returned to us after a sabbatical yep. in Ottawa and elsewhere. Uh, we were very pleased to get him back. This is why. This is why. he's The defense, again, has been awesome for this team all season. It's been really, really great. It was, it was really awesome to see it. Um, yeah. Hoping we can keep these guys in place. I mean, it's very hard to repeat in the CFL. I think I have a theory on this. Too. Yeah, I could tell I could tell you that much is very hard to repeat. Yeah. I have a theory on this too because it also goes with this. I mean, the truth is is that you know, by any objective standard, by any statistical measure, the Alouettes were, guess what? The fourth best team in the league this year. They you can you can go by the eye test in the regular season. Again, undefeated against sub 500 teams without a win against the top three, you know, this was the Alouette season, right? They were the fourth best team, but, and they just ran this on CFL, the other uh, CFL.ca, the official website of the league the other day, which was okay. So in the past 10 years, four teams with the best overall record have won the gray cup Four teams. And again, I've been saying this for years in all these sports, okay, with the expanded playoffs, right? And already the CFL's playoffs are huge with two-thirds of the league making the playoffs, right? With expanded playoffs, you're almost guaranteed not to have the team with the best regular season record in the finals, there's too much against it. Too many things can happen. When you're playing a one-off game in baseball, especially, but in football too, I mean, that's anything can happen. And, you know, just assuming that these are competent teams, I mean, okay, you know, Hamilton was in the playoffs this year and they didn't play very competently. But assuming this is a competent team, your odds are almost 50-50 you know, on these games. I mean, they set the book. The book had Montreal at 10 in some places at Toronto and eight and a half against Winnipeg in this game. You know, really? (laughs) Really? These games are competitive. We knew they were going to be competitive. In fact, it was surprising how uncompetitive BC Winnipeg was. You know, (laughs) you know, these these games are going to be close. And so, you know, I, I just, my, my theory is just that, you know, this is why it's so hard to repeat. I mean, next year I can see if, if, if Montreal keeps this core together 
Okay. They improve the offensive line. They make the offensive line play seriously all year. Okay. Teams like Ottawa perform in the off season like they have in the past seasons, in past years, Montreal could win a good 12, 13 games next year. 14. Yeah, you were, at, you were at 11 this year, weren't you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then all of a sudden we're competing for number one. You know, Toronto, God forbid, has a few injuries. It happens at the right time or the wrong time, depending on your perspective. All of a sudden now maybe the Alouettes are going to be at the home game in the Eastern Conference Final next year. Could happen. Does, does that mean sixteen and two is highly unlikely? Yeah, but that's just numbers. But then somebody that's hungrier, or somebody that gets the the break, or somebody that's hotter going into the playoffs beats them on the way. I mean, this is why it's so hard to repeat. I think, and this is why what Winnipeg has done in the past uh, for f- well five years, four seasons, is impressive. This is why it's impressive. Now. Where do you put, I mean, we shouldn't shovel dirt on the, on the Bombers next year. This far out, talk about your outrageous predictions. This far out, it's hard to believe that they're not tops in the West next year. I'm going to need a really good reason why not before I will exactly. pick against them to be first in the West right now. Exactly. Exactly. They're kind of writing that they they kind of have that Calgary thing going on where Calgary, you know, yep. five, five, ten, ten years ago to about five years ago, yep. were just the class of the division. Yep, and they and kept everybody evolving else was, the team. They kept that nucleus evolving, and yeah, right. Yeah. And then eventually that runs out on you. It could run out on Winnipeg sooner rather than later at this point because again we're talking five years. Uh, we're also talking about potential front office reshuffling could happen it well, could yes, they but... could they could have a lot of key players get old at the wrong time well yes like, but calgary calgary is one of the victims in this in the whole you know best team doesn't win the great cup thing right i are. think three times they've had the best record in the league and they did not win at all in that 10-year stretch right but that's not how success is measured now do you think that winnipeg never mind winning the great cup can they sustain, like, you know, being in the playoffs every year for 10, 15, 20 years like Calgary just did? I think we've got another three or four years where there you go. we're going to be on top for You're the top right. first or second, or if some if things evolve poorly third. I don't think they're going to be fifth next year, if that's what you mean. But oh, no. The oh, nucleus no, is going to be is going to be changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have a lot of aged players, and it's been yes. mentioned all, all year that they're getting yes. old. Big Hill yes. got hurt at the wrong time, calf injury, where he was clearly not very effective in the Great Cup. He was off the field most of the time. Hey, it's a nice effort to even get him back on the field. But then you have just on that defense, you've got Winston Rose is probably done, although he's been capably replaced. The Winston Rose we had in 2019 mm-hmm. was a game changer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they but that's yep. one one example of evo- evolution. He is he did not even dress well. He dressed for warmups, but then when they put Big Hill and Shown in, he was off the roster. So that shows you how far how fast things can change in that front. Um, but then you have your edge rushers. You got Jeff Coat and you have Jefferson that are not getting any younger either. Jeffcoat's probably gone before Jefferson, just based off of injury history. But you, but now we have to see if they have patches for that. If and, and the Anthony Bennett's of the world, the Christian Habas can step into that and at least provide some of that production, or does the defensive philosophy change again? That's what three or four starters, and, and Big Hill was replaced pretty capably. But it's never gonna. You're never going to be able to replicate the Adam Big Hill we've had in the last five no. years. That's going to be a very difficult thing to hit. I mean, Jesus, if, you uh, saw the you effect patch, in this game. In this game, with the Great Cup, yes. he was just injured, and you saw right. what happened. Yep. If you patch the 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 tens with eights, 
you're going to be able to continue to go forward and at least and hope you find another couple of diamonds diamonds as you come across like demario houston yeah. was yeah. a diamond we didn't expect to have it, they got they got to keep finding new diamonds as the other ones start aging. Offensive line, both tackles are getting old. Stanley Bryant, um, Jamarco Hardrick, mm-hmm. they're in their mid to upper thirties, mm-hmm. so they're going to have to find capable replacements for them. They're not going to be able to keep that entire wide receiving core. Brady Oliver is talking about the NFL. Yeah, Zach's That's got two three years at best probably. The, the contract runs for two years. Are you going to be able to have another Drew Brown ready and waiting when he's back? I mean, there's a lot of questions that we're going to have that are going to be answered. And I think this team is building toward 2025. That's when Winnipeg is hosting their next Grey Cup. Mm. They will build to try to win that Grey Cup. And then after that, it's going to be, okay, we'll see now. So I think the next two years are going to be maximum effort years to keep the team on top after that. Oh, you do? Okay. I think so because you're hosting. If you're hosting in 2025 and you still have a capable nucleus, you keep gunning for that. Now, the mistake they could make is if that nucleus isn't the same even next year, and they start fading next year. They finish second, third, ten wins, nine, ten wins. If they try to patch over the patch everything over to try to win in 2025 to win the home Grey Cup, it could turn out what like how Hamilton turned out this year but that's a question we answer in, at the end of 2024 is do we try to make that ultimate push for 2025 are, are we in the same position to do so and that'll be an interesting answer to see because my hope is that oh they win in 2024 or get close again and go we've got one year left in the tank let's go try to win this one mm-hmm. and load up for it and then win it and everybody run, walks off into the sunset. That'd be a beautiful picture for Winnipeg fans, right? Mm-hmm. Much like you see Ryder fans talking about 2013. They'll never forget that. <laughs> and for good reason. Because <laughs> that's winning a great cup on your home turf. That's that's what you want. That's, that's like the ultimate if you're a fan. So I could see Winnipeg making a chase for that and then after that going, okay, what's the future like? But the one thing I don't want them to do is if they if 2024 shows that they're definitely on a downward trajectory, I would like to see them working toward the future instead of selling out for 2025. Because I'd rather have a couple of nine, ten win seasons and then back up as opposed to, you know, nine, ten yeah. wins in 2024. Yeah. One more push to get to 13 and then everything collapses. Right. And then well, we're five and thirteen for the next five years. But see, you have to like okay, you have to believe that they're saner than, for example, those riders, the riders of the teens. Okay, you have to assume right. that they're saner than the Hamilton. And I may, sorry, and I have trust. I have trust in the front office right. as it's currently as it's currently um, set. That's going to change, though. This front right. office is going to be different coming into next year. That's true, too. That's true, too. Yeah, as I understand it, the assistant GMs and the GM are all up for new contracts. And right. it is likely so it'll that be interesting they- to see what happens and if it changes philosophies at all. Right. I'm but, not going to be able to even guess as to how this is all going to turn out. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's way too early for this. But hey, what's to stop us? We got nothing to do now for a good, what, five, six months, but speculate. So, oh, yeah. So, so, but what I was thinking is, is this, if you are confident in your front office, okay, if you're confident enough in the competence of your front office, especially in the CFL, you could do the semi rebuilding year, right? You could do the, you could do the year where you take a ton of rookies a ton of guys from America, from you know your Division Two schools, from your Northern schools, you know you take a bunch of these guys, and you you know you have a you have a scintillating mix of old and new. You combine them with your old guys, and you know you win like, geez, next year maybe eleven games. <laughs> you know you could maybe come in second in the West next year with that. I don't know how good Edmonton's going to be. 
but <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not expecting much from everybody else except for maybe Calgary. We'll see what they do in the off season. I mean, why not? And then, you know, you're building up this team for 2025 in the great cup. So. I yeah. Mean, Cause I could see could 2025 be being, being the Hollywood ending. If they win right. in 2025 at home, how how many of the core go home and say mission accomplished? Well, that's the thing, though. You spend this next year, year and a half, like you know, signing the new guys. You know, the next generation. You know, um, you keep as many of the old breed as possible. Unfortunately, you're going to have a big hole uh, out of the backfield there because I would be pretty surprised if Oliveira can at least make a practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised if he played in a couple of games this season in week 17, week 18 for some team that's already been eliminated. I can certainly imagine that. Certainly imagine that. So he might not be around next year. So that's going to be a big hole. But everywhere else, they could probably sign enough names to like keep this team viable for another year, right? Now you just have to hope that. So how does so how does this how does this sound? William Standback, Winnipeg Blue Bombers Uh, tailback. Man, come on now. Okay, that wasn't nice. I'm sorry. Please, you have to hope that. I mean, we could we could just jump right into this. Um, too is you know recently the last couple of days the league has released the, I I guess it's the quasi official list of would be free agents. You know, potential free agents from these teams. And you're sure. I mean, this thing is great unless you're a fan of a team. You know, this thing is gonna like. Be giving me. I, I'm if, not. I haven't even looked at those. I will oh, look yeah. at those at the beginning of February because yeah, teams really? have two months no. to sign their own to guys. Sign. December, yeah. January. Yeah. Free agency is always around Valentine's Day, if I'm not mistaken. So just until teams have had a chance to sign their own guys. To see to see what kind of Hamilton's going to be interesting to see what they do. Are they going to try to? find one more year out of their veterans or are they going to go completely blow it up? Like there's, there's two, there's two months for teams to make changes to their philosophies and to pick out what they want to accomplish for 2024. Mm -hmm. So until February, when we know what some of those changes are going to be and we'll start seeing trades, I would imagine that if Winnipeg, uh, and I see no reason why Winnipeg doesn't keep Zach Claris. It, I could see Winnipeg trading Drew Brown's rights to somebody in late January, even tomorrow, honestly. But sometime in January, have give that team a month to try to sign him up as their yep. premier number one yep. quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Until I see a lot, until I see how all that plays out, and which teams are going for it, which team is not. I'm not even looking at that list because that list is bears no resemblance to how February is going to look. Oh, no, of course not. Of course not. I know that objectively, but I wish we would have done this podcast, to, you know, yesterday. Because <laughs> I've been looking at this thing today and just I think I've gotten a couple of years older in the past eight hours, I would say. Um, I mean, because, you know, we have Lemon and Sankey and Standback on there for the Alouettes as potential free agents. Now, I am hoping that this Grey Cup win. Uh, is enough for at least the defensive guys to re-sign for at least one more year. I mean, come on. Yeah, because if you if, if you have a culture, at least once. if you've got a culture of winning built and people are happy to be there, they'll take less money. Not a lot less, but they'll take less money and yeah. you'll build the same more players. Yeah. There's not a lot of wiggle room in um, in the CFL for that kind of thing. But, you know, a guy like Fajardo, I mean, he's not up for free agency, but a guy like Fajardo is going to stick around now. I mean, it's positive reinforcement. This is his system. And the, and stand back. I mean, this dude for the past couple, three years has been on a time management system. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he started very few games this year, relatively, you know, for, for a top, uh, you know, running back in the CFL. I mean, he started what I think maybe six regular season games. You know, plus plus to his credit, the playoffs where 
all we really needed was this awesome touchdown in the Great Cup to justify his entire existence on the roster. So you would hope that he would hope that, you know, drawing that salary for, you know, playing about a third to a half the season is good enough. If we can get by with that, sure. I mean, running back is a tough freaking job in football. So why not put these guys on time management if you have that luxury? Now, Montreal running game was competent enough. I see Antwi is up for for free agency potentially, uh, for example. But you know, I if if you can pull that off, you know, then stand back and be kept under that program. If you bring him to Winnipeg and expect him to get two thousand, you know. Combined yards. I don't know if he all-purpose yards. I don't know if he's going to do that. No, and I just <laughs> but the, between the fact he was a free agent, Winnipeg may have a hole. It was just like, ah, oh, I got it. I got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Stick it in. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay, so yeah, you're probably right. I should not look at that uh, anymore. The other because I love it too. I don't know. I. You just told me to ignore this bit of non-news until February. How are you on other news coming out of the CFL? Are you a CFL 12-month-a-year fan? 13 months a year if there were 13 months. So, yes. (laughs) So, news like Edmonton thinking about restructuring their ownership. That's important. (laughs) Well... just I'm just not going to sit there and play and play with. Hey, forty out of fifty players on each roster are free agents. Where where do they all go? I'm not playing that game until some of it until some of the puzzle pieces are in place. Then I'll play all you want. <laughs> it's too bad. Some enterprising individual should make, you know, a, a fantasy analog for this, like where you just have to pick all the players that are going to resign. Never mind who the free agents are going to go to. You just, and then whoever gets the most right wins. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole game. Just throw everybody into a pool once this list is released. Um, okay, so, yeah, this, I mean, okay. You're, you've been a lifelong fan of, of the CFL, and you're rather a young fellow, Joe. So I imagine for much of your life you haven't been following the the you know, I don't know, the the rules committee level stuff in the CFL. But do you remember anything like this? When was when was the last time this happened? This special committee created to review Edmonton Elks ownership structure is the headline over at CFL.ca. So basically, they're losing money hand over fist as right. a as a community owned team. So eventually, the Same. eventually the well is going to run dry. They're either going to have to pump more money into it, or somebody's going to buy it. And right now, they're reviewing ways to make it to bring it from public to private in case. Oh, from the sorry. sounds of it, they're going to run out of money by the end of next year oh, okay. as a public entity. So either they. A, sell it to a private investor, or B, find a way to keep it public, make it make it profitable again, and find ways to pump more money into it. And really, the obvious answer to that is privatization, right? Okay. Not that, not right. that you want it, but that's the easy way out. So they're looking into, hey, we have this structure of how this, or, uh, how this franchise is run, and so many people have money in here, here, there, and everywhere. Okay, how do we take that and make it so that it's a, it's a, it can become a private entity instead of a public one? Okay, as one living right now in Central Eastern Europe with an autocratic leader, that's all I needed was the translation, Joe. So thanks. Yes. You know? Okay. Yeah, Dave, Dave Campbell's been That's all over this. So if you follow him on Twitter, go find it. Okay. Go find this thread he had on that. He explains it in okay. better detail than I can. Okay. No, that's all I needed. I'm I'm well aware of privatization and the way that works and what that's all about. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is something that Americans don't usually have to deal with. Right. But, you know, in Europe, especially since, you know, 1989, 1990, you know, around the time of the Berlin Wall coming down um, that a lot of countries in Europe have had to deal with um, since then. And of course, you have Latin America and South America. These countries have to deal with this stuff all the time, but not in the States where everything is already privatized. Uh, I like the, <laughs> there, was a, there was a heck of a quote by, uh, who's this? Okay, so Elk's president and CEO, Rick Lelacour. Lalisher. Lalisher, I say it like, <laughs> like an Anglo. Okay, Lalisher says, quote, we're confident in our ability to operate in 2024 thanks to our trust fund strong season seat renewals mm. and the support of our sponsors and fans. Mm. We will, however, need new investment before the end of next season to ensure the club is positioned to succeed for years to come. So translation, in- we're going to be broke at the end of next year. We'll have <laughs> enough money to get through it, but 2025 is questionable unless there's more money. Well, what I was going to say is what I was going to say is the translation is, hey, we got a lot of great fans. We're selling out. Please buy us. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Somebody now. Oh, the sure, CFL is a lot. The CFL is a lot more of an attractive product than it was even 10 years ago to buy into. So Sure, sure. And I mean, look, the USFL. 2.0 and all these other rogue leagues show us this rich dudes love to buy sports teams especially football teams uh-huh. you know in the case of america and canada you know they just it's cool i mean i mean what I, it you... brings me it brings me back to the quote i heard about uh, the michigan panthers owner said yes <laughs> he, he asked one of his he asked one of his staff Hey, you want to know how to make a small fortune? Yeah. Of course, they're going to listen because this guy's got money. This, this guy's got money where people shouldn't have money. I love. This and time. he goes, "Okay, so you have a large fortune, right. and then you buy a professional sports team. You have right. a small fortune before you know it." Right. <laughs> right. Specifically, the USFL. Right. He was in that case. That. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, why do people do it? Well, in in the ego. Well, in the United States, a lot of people do it now to get the massive turnover. I mean, the turnover on these NBA teams is ridiculous. You, you own this team for 10, 20 years and you make, you know, 20 times your money on hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, mm-hmm. it's a nice profit turn in the case of basketball. But, you know, it's a great ego thing it's fun you have the best seats in the house you get to terrorize the guy that terrorizes these very large dudes who play for your team i mean it's it's a position of power it's fun i mean how much fun do people have playing fantasy football imagine if it were real football. <laughs> i mean that's and there you go that's why you do it right right that's the kick of it. It's a lot of fun for these guys. I mean, if you have the money, I mean, look, if you had a hundred billion dollars, would you try and buy a sports team or at least buy into I, a sports team? I hear Edmonton might be available soon. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Unfortunately, the first part of this conditional sentence is not true. I do not have a hundred million dollars. Right. So, but I would. I would certainly, I would certainly be interested in buying into a team or buying a team, or especially if it was one about to move or I was renaming it because I would love to be part of that process. But, you know, so in any case, I mean, they'll sell it. They'll sell it. They'll sell it. I just thought that was an interesting quote because, especially since if they play their cards right, I think Edmonton is destined for good things next season. Um, they have one area of the team that's aging a little bit, i.e. the receiving core. So they'll have to address that. But besides that, I mean, this team has some, has a spark of something. I think that they could parlay into some wins next year, but again, it's way too early. Right. Okay. Well, I just wanted to ask you, Joe, a couple of more things. I mean, we already talked about how this season might be remembered, but 
how do you put again i don't want to put like i said before i don't want to put dirt on the on the bombers yet but how do you see their place in history right now as less than it could have been but still pretty darn good okay Okay. I mean, we're talking about they had a chance to win four straight Grey Cups if they convert one drive at the end of games, mm-hmm. back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Even if they were less deserving last year or more deserving this year or what have you, they had the ball in their hands with the chance to win the game. They didn't do it. So. Yeah, but the Grey Cups turns to, on stuff like this, right? That's exactly they, it. You know, so, and that's I mean, why it's so hard. You get right. one shot at it to finish yes. to finish the job. They did it in, well, they owned 2019. They just ran away with that game. But 2021, they were down, what, yep. 12 at one point in, in the third quarter? And they were the ones that went down the field and won the game. Yep. 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 But that was the peak, right? That was the peak. That 2021 season and the playoffs, that was the peak. of Right, um, because they, they were yes. dominant that year. They were 11-3, and three, but two of the losses came when it didn't matter anymore. Right, like that was about as dominant as it gets. Yeah, and then the next year they were darn close, and this year they were pretty close to that too, but Mm -hmm. they weren't quite there. Mm -hmm. If they win one more in the next two three years, I think it's remembered far more favorably by historians in twenty thirty years. But something I did when I was at Fan Appreciation Day was just sit in the stands with my buddy stare at the field and go and because that was the day after the banjo bowl and go if this is the best it ever gets and it starts turning downhill today it's still been a pretty darn fun run yeah that's what i'm gonna remember well the other thing too is that look they 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 were in the gray cup for four straight years for no four seasons right again i have to make that you know, I have to make that asterisk there, right? For seasons, because really they were on top of the league for five years. Seriously. I mean, you have to consider them the champs through 2020. You know, end of story. I mean, all things being equal, they're still number one in any power. Point. And then even this year, you're just like, okay, they lost by a point. Right. They're still on top. Now this year, they lost by 11 seconds. And four points. Um, They're still there. They're still in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it could it could turn into if if all our cards are played right, it could turn into a slightly more successful Montreal run that they had for how long? Mm. What Mm. ten, twelve years where they were always in the conversation? Well, yeah, when they only about they won twice. And they lost a bunch, but they were always there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the stamps have been for the 21st century, um, more or less. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see if they can keep that up. Because that was the other thing I was going to say is, I mean, what other team has posted, you know, four consecutive, what, 13 win seasons? I think none of them because, you know, of 2020 uh, being the short season. But you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they, they must have, Winnipeg must have more wins than anybody over that four-year span. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, other teams have. Because Toronto has had 16 wins and they had two more wins than Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. 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 In a what was it? Fifteen season? and three last year, thirteen and three. Now they were like ten and eight in twenty nineteen. But Hamilton was fifteen and three, but they haven't been that good since. Okay, how, if at all, is this Grey Cup remembered? It's going to go down as one of those that you see all the time. <gasps> I don't know about last year, honestly. <clears throat> Because it was such a different... I feel like last year was... Like, Toronto fans are going to love it and revere it, but was it quite as good as this year's game? Will it get on top 10 list? I don't know if last year does. I think this year would. Okay. Okay. Top 10 of all time? I don't know. That's a little bit shaky. Top 10 of... My lifetime? 
when they when they go and do the top ten in five years, they might leave off like uh, one from the '60s and put this one on because mm. recency bias, right? Mm. Right, right. It's one right, of those games where you can argue about it. Yeah, it's not yeah, going to be it's not going to be number one on anybody's list, right? Because you, they probably needed about twenty more points combined to make that happen because we can't live high scores. But it was a good game. It was one of those that a, you sit a neutral fan in front of it and say, "Watch this game. This is what the CFL is," and they would go, right. oh, "I like this. Let's let's right. let's let me let me buckle in and watch next year now and yeah. see how it all turns out." It was like it was like a couple of years ago when the Rams played the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and that game, that one was also a four point game, and that was also the Rams scoring late in the fourth quarter to win that game, and I also won a lot of money betting that game too, just like this one. But uh, not to brag or anything, but I mean, there was nobody in a rush to say this is the greatest Super Bowl of all time. There was there was not that rush, but it it was just a solid game of football. It was just, you know, it was just tight. It went by quickly. I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you, because on TV, I mean, even for me, who's watching this literally in the middle of the night, kickoff was around 1220 in the morning here um this game seemed to go by like i mean green green day was longer than any one of the quarters of this game it felt like you know it was wow um there weren't a lot of incompletions there weren't a lot of penalties there weren't a lot of injuries that made people have to come on the field that game moved yeah yeah and that, that was your experience at the at seeing it live as well yes uh-huh. yeah it felt a little bit slower like the last minute could have gone faster honestly but the rest of it went pretty darn fast <laughs> see see it is creeping in your bias is creeping into your experience of the game now uh okay um, mostly jokes it was very it, like that last drive even just like wow they don't have a lot of time left. oh they had enough okay <laughs> Nope. <laughs> um the uh yeah the uh the, one of the other things i wanted to ask you is well, it's a two-part question is how do you feel about green day and what were you doing at half done i just sat in my seat watched. oh really watched it the way i did but way i could i mean you know if you're a veteran you don't go to the bathroom during halftime because that's what everybody else does of course, <laughs> of, course. of course you find a way you find a way to do it and a, during a lull in the second quarter, maybe a lull at the end of the third quarter, if you have to. But, but I thought that... I forget the, it. Just sit in your seat and enjoy. I thought that in the past, very often, like, whatever, the podcast community or just fans would get together and hang out at halftime. I think we did that in Edmonton because that was okay. their ritual to begin with. Our okay. trip district friends host west of us okay so it was something you did oh right that's okay. what they always do okay that might be what i'm thinking. But in hamilton that's not a thing that exists so okay 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 that's i get it i get it see i'm so disconnected uh before the show joe was you know strong arming me about how i must go to bc vancouver next it, year. it's not just me there's plenty in the community uh, that want to see you there well, I know you're just I know you're just being nice here, but I gotta say, I've always said, and this really like surprises people when I when I tell them. I've I mean, I've lived in a few places around the world in my life. I've been to many more, especially in Europe and North America. And people ask me what my favorite city is, and Vancouver is always near the top. The people are always surprised about that because, you know, Vancouver is not that extremely well known. Like Canada, it's a tad obscure. You know, it's there, but we <laughs> most of us don't know much about it, you know, and, and same thing with Vancouver. But Vancouver, I, it's awesome. I love Vancouver. I don't even mind the rain. I, I kind of like rain, to be honest. Definitely prefer to snow. I'll take rain over snow any day, any day. And so in that respect, Vancouver is superior to the rest of Canada, at least for me. 
Um, and, you know, like I was telling Joe, I have some friends out there. And if I'm living in California at that point, uh, it's right in my time zone. So I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff, that jet lag stuff. So I don't know. It's yeah, I probably should. I probably should. It is probably my duty to do so. Um, okay. How do you think this game will go down in history then as a blip as the end of the bombers run? You hate to think that. Um, how would you place it? What do you think? Can you ask me in five years? Fair enough. If it's Fair the enough. if it's the end, if everything goes downhill from here, that would suck. But it would be <laughs> they never. If it's the end, and next year they're ten and eight, and the year after they're six and twelve, and it just heads straight downhill, and this is the end of everything that we've gotten to experience for the last five years. It'd be nice to know that they never got blown. Blown out of the blown out of the water in a great cup. They were always competitive. Four straight years of being competitive to victorious in the great cup. I don't think anybody's turning that down, are they? Have to be pretty greedy to turn that down. No joke. No joke. As for as and if for... these and if these two and if these two great cups back to back are bumps in the road and they win three more by the time we're in twenty thirty, well, then we look at it as a bump in the road. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised unless the stamps turn a complete miracle this offseason. Unless their they need scouting, more talent. Unless their scouting team way outdoes your scouting team. Uh I honestly think that Winnipeg is in line to be the team of the twenties. Yeah. Um, but think about it this way though. Winnipeg in twenty fifteen was about yeah, as far down as you get because it was three straight years, four straight years of just going transitioning yep. from one to another. Yep. Every everything the talent was lacking. The they had the front office in place, but it's not an overnight thing. But eight years later, we're talking about them as one of the best runs in CFL history. Eight yep. years later, from bottom. So it's that's also how fast things can turn the other way too. Um. Well, yeah, but like we touched on before, it's got to do with the front office, right? It's like how good is the front office at picking talent, at picking a coaching staff, at picking guys that can work well together? In Calgary, they did it. They kept the transitions. They never blew the the expression blow things up and Calgary Stampeders are incongruous. Nope. Right? They don't exist, right? Because they don't do stuff that way. And that's the way you build, as they like to call it in New England Patriots land, a tradition of excellence. You know, you just you just keep you keep it moving, you keep it evolving and whatever. You know, you lose John Cornish, the all-time, you know, leading running back in terms of yardage. You lose him, okay, you evolve your game plan. You plan for that roster switch. You know, and this is what they've been doing for, you know, 20 years or so. Even this year, even this year. They managed to have enough talent on board to squeak into that third playoff spot. They kept that streak alive of making the playoffs. You know, I mean, they got a lot of help. Well, yeah, but I mean, they were just good enough. They weren't the worst. <laughs> you know, they weren't even close to being the worst team in the league. They, you know, they were at least for flashes, they were competitive. You know, and that's what that's what has to happen in Winnipeg, or that's what you hope happens in Winnipeg, that you're at least competitive. I mean, again, it's a small league, but some of these teams seem willing to shoot themselves in the foot for years on end. I mean, like, you know, Ottawa ever since Burris left the team. Which is which is another thing that I was going to talk about. There are a few outlets, there were a few groups that wanted to, you know, instantly call this Super Bowl the greatest of all time. Guys, it wasn't that long ago when Burris and Bo Levy Mitchell were having a shootout 
in overtime, you know, in one of these great cup games. Now that was a hell of a game. I mean, come on. That's like a once in a lifetime game right there. Let's not put this game on that level yet. I mean, I know my Alouettes won, but <laughs> all right. Well, we got to get out of here before we do too much. Uh, we'll be back sometime, huh, Joe? Yeah. We'll do this again sometime. Yeah, we sure will. It was nice. To, <laughs> it was nice to meet all the listeners this weekend or this past yeah. weekend at Grey Cup. Uh, some old, some brand new. Great to talk talk to y'all. Um, especially uh, Mike over at the Brew Crime Podcast definitely sought me out, and it was great to have some time to chat with him. Uh, they do good work on their yeah. end of things, beer and crime. So go ahead yeah. and to, if you're into the true crime stuff and you like beer, that's a place to that's a place to listen to. So give them a shot, see what you think. I don't even like true crime, but I like that show. <laughs> I like the beer part, <laughs> as you can well guess. Okay, great. Well, all right, here we go into the off season. Of the CFL, I guess so. This is the how how would you call this, Joe? The 2023-24 offseason or just 2024? I'd say 2024, because what is it, a month left and nothing really happens okay. in December besides the schedule, usually. Okay. Well, some re-signings, some re-signings, some, some coach moves. Some. some coach moves. Yeah. But less than you'd think. And Brady may be gone. Your boy Brady Possible. may be gone to America. Possible. Yeah, possible before the end of December. So I would not be shocked whatsoever. He's going to be suiting up for Chicago in just a few weeks, man. Yeah, I deserve uh, that for the William Sandback crack. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to be playing for Minnesota. <laughs> now you've gone too far. Although a lot of Bomber fans would love that because a lot of Bomber fans are Viking fans because of proximity, and that's put that's the yeah. Fox channel they get on their cable and what have you. I mean, oh yeah, that's the that's the is, home so. NFL team in Winnipeg is is uh, Minnesota. Yeah, it seems to be. Yeah, if, if there's not, it, you know, it it's funny because they get more games on Sunday afternoons than we do because they get the Foxes, the CBSs, whichever one they have in there on their cable system, right? Plus, TSN's always running a different right. game, and I think CBC might. I mean, they, they go all. Yeah. They go no, not CBC because it's all okay. Bell owned, but they go all out for the NFL. So, oh sure, of course, of course, yep. Everybody in America. Do so you have Canada more choices them. sitting in Canada than you do sitting at home in the U.S. to watch various NFL games? They'll also get wow. the the national games and such too, but like your Sunday afternoons, you got more choices on su- at Sunday at noon and Sunday at three than you do here. So, well, yeah, but even with choices, uh, these, these, let's say markets tend to go for may gravitate a local one team. team or another. Yeah. Yeah. Your local team. I mean, your Hamilton's going to be close to Buffalo. Winnipeg's closer yeah. to Minneapolis. That kind of thing, and Seattle is close to Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Montreal may even be New England Patriots territory, for all I know. I wonder. I'd have to look at that. They probably don't care. You know, are the Canadians playing? You know, that's the key question. It's Montreal. a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't taken too much time to dig into it, but it's there. I'll. I'll. I'll have that by the next time we do a show. I'll have the answer to that question. What is the home NFL team in Montreal? My God, it's got to be the Giants. There's no way it's the Patriots. I would be. And I know plenty of our uh, podcast network people and uh, even some of our some of our subscribers are diehard San Francisco 49ers fans because they grew up. They're about my age. They grew up with the Montanas and the Youngs. So they're going to stick that way, even if they're even in the years they're not any good. So, yeah. So many people my age, dude, so many people my age are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. A lot of them are Dallas Cowboy fans too, from those days when. That's unfortunate. You know, yeah, the Steelers and the Cowboys met a couple of times. There's a lot of front running, kind of thing in NFL football because why not? When you're not you know? when you're not in the in yeah. the area of yeah. hey, I can have season tickets and drive a half hour. Sure, things why can not? be different. Yeah, especially nowadays when even if you are in the area, you might not be able to afford it. Yeah, and I might, and where, and where I'm at, I line up. I'm closer to the CBS 
in I, Minneapolis than we are to the lacrosse one. And that was the difference between people being Packers fans or Vikings fans is right. which one you get and which one was it more entertaining to watch. And for a long time, it was Vikings. So it was the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were contenders for, yeah, in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yeah, you know, when the Packers were not. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's put a bow on that. We'll put a bow on this episode of the Rouge White and Blue as well. Uh, hope you enjoyed the season. We sure did. Wow. <laughs> that was a, that was an interesting one uh, for the show, for the season, for my co-host, Joe Pritchard. I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge White and Blue CFL podcast. Talk to you soonish. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.